0: welcome to cinema chop shop i know she's not here because she's prepping but
1: how do you think chelsea's feeling about the move tomorrow um i think she's nervous yeah yeah i found in my experience and i haven't moved in like 12 years but the physical act of moving is a huge pain in the ass there's something kind of soothing about reorganizing your possessions oh yeah consolidating and Mm -hmm. you know purging but this is not a silver linings playbook (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to Season 8, Episode 5 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen, so why shouldn't movie buffs... Like us. ...decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is...
0: Tyler Perry's I Can Do Trav All By Myself. <laughs> Tyler Perry's Medea's Big Travy Family. Uh-huh. Tyler Perry's The
1: Travs and The Trav-Nots. <laughs> Very good. And I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer... Medea's witness protect Sean, <laughs> aka Temptation, confessions of a podcast producer, aka Meet the Shawns. And even though Chelsea is not here, I'm going to go ahead and do her nicknames. Uh, Medea's neighbors from Chell, aka the marriage Chelseler, <laughs> aka Chell Single Moms Club. <laughs> Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. All right, that's going to bring us into our first segment, which is movie news. And this is where Sean and I try to pay attention throughout the week to stories that pertain to our show and that our our interesting listeners might enjoy, that our listeners might be interested in. And unfortunately this week we do have to start it off with two RIPs, a couple of heavy hitters. Yeah, in that they both play similar kind of mm-hmm. roles in their famous parts. And we'll we'll expand on that, uh, but rest in peace and rest in power to Dave Prowse. He was the actor who was inside of the Darth Vader suit. Uh, he died at 85 after a brief undisclosed illness. Uh, in addition to that role, He also played Frankenstein's monster multiple times in the 70s. Then also, rest in peace and rest in power to Hugh Keyes Byrne. And he was the actor who played Immortan Joe in Mad Max Fury Road. And he was 73. He was also Toe Cutter in the original. Yeah. Yeah, in the original Mad Max. You were saying that there's some similarities between the roles that these guys played, right? The part man, part machine. Yeah. uh, Or the... Uh, kind of abomination uh, villain. Yeah, big imposing figures. Yes. So uh, once again, rest in peace and rest in power to them. Uh, Next, this is from Minneapolis. First Avenue bringing pop-up experience of fictional restaurant from Mallrats and Jay and Silent Bob. So Kevin Smith, that fucker's got his hands in everything. He's doing a pop-up movies. Yeah. M-O-O-B-I-E-S. The fictional fast food restaurant from his movies, his View Askew Universe. And I can't say I blame him. The opportunity was right there. Would I try the food? I don't know. What do you think, Sean? I don't know. I kind of wonder if Dante or, or <laughs> is fixing my burger. Yeah, he just like um, really has nothing go- else going on. So he hangs out at those or, pop-up or restaurants. Rand- or Randall. Yeah, I would I prefer like Randall that. to make my burger. Uh, next, Peter Dinklage to star in Legendary's Toxic Avenger reboot. Uh, mixed feelings on this i don't think they need a reboot of the toxic avenger but pretty good casting choice i think yeah i'm intrigued enough to follow the story right and so there's one glaring question for me the character itself is not a little person right
0: right and i wonder if that's going to play into the advantage of this toxic avenger like if you take a real life size Peter Dinklage mm-hmm. and make
1: him... Toxic and vengeful. Eight, if you
0: make him eight feet tall, yeah. he will look massive. So uh-huh. I don't know what their plans are.
1: Yeah, this. that's a that's a very uh, interesting question that I guess we're just going to have to wait to or find out. Or they could out. just
0: do a, you know an Incredible Hulk a la Avengers and you've got T- Peter Dinklage's facial features uh-huh. on a CGI creature.
1: I don't know. And um, I wonder how he would feel about that himself as a little person Uh, good enough to take the money yeah true um they could do some trick photography where they're just shooting from down below and everybody looks his height (laughs) i don't know uh next uh elliot page the star of juno formerly known as ellen page has shared that she is he is transgender uh this was breaking a couple days ago and you had some thoughts on this right well
0: uh, my my first question was Umbrella Academy season three. Okay. Does he then play, continue to play the character
1: as a female or is there going to be an issue? I imagine that the character would continue to be female.
0: I, I would hope so because at that point you are acting. Yes. And you know, according to him, he's been acting like a female right. his whole life. So I, I, Th- that was just something that, that yeah. sprang onto my radar because that is the one role that I know that is on the table.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh, good for him. All right, next: uh, Baltimore Museum of Art's restrooms to be named in honor of John Waters. Uh, I think this is a perfect, perfect news segment for our show. Um, this is because he has bequeathed his massive art and oddities collection to the museum. Uh, So when he dies, they're going to get all of this artwork and he's requested that they name the bathrooms after him. Is it going to become the John Waters closet? (laughs) Nice. Next, Francis Ford Coppola's new cut of Godfather Part Three settles the family business for good. Now, you jokingly said something about Sofia Coppola, right? Yeah. Or or I thought you were joking. You thought I was
0: joking. The article I read was this will make Sofia Coppola's performance
1: less terrible. Because she's um, kind of well-respected now as a director. Right. And I imagine that's kind of a a blemish on her resume. Right. At at the time, just universally panned as being one of the
0: the sores in this movie. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens.
1: Uh, So speaking about things happening, do you want to tell us about our most recent news story? Oh, yeah. This came out right before uh, the show. It was...
0: uh, HBO Max is going to get all of WB
1: Studios' Mm -hmm. 2021 movie releases. Which includes not just DC movies, but also what? Dune? Dune's going to be on there. Matrix 4. Yeah, some really exciting stuff. That And it's definitely good considering the uh, pandemic. You know, less people out and about. I'm excited because, you know, HBO home box
0: office... Mm -hmm growing up was where we saw a lot of our movies yeah because we didn't have multiplexes in our little hometowns gotcha so uh this
1: kind of it's kind of nostalgic for me to think about big movies coming to hbo i like that uh that crisp sound at the beginning of their title card the i think that's cool the kind of uh intentional static all right well that will wrap us up on movie news for this week and do you hear the phone ringing that must mean that it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana.
0: Hola,
1: aficionados de las películas. You missed Daria Nicolodi's greatest collaboration with Dario Argento,
0: Asia Argento. Lil Z's name was Dajin. According to IMDb, Hector Anglada died in a motorcycle accident. Eso es todo para esta semana. Hasta la próxima.
1: All right, Uh, Dana, it seems like you're just kind of showing off with your pronunciations, And that will close the doors on the Department of Corrections Department for this week. That's going to bring us to the theme of the episode. I think we already kind of revealed what we're talking about with our (laughs) nicknames. Yeah. Uh, This week we're doing Tyler Perry movies. And I think that the original idea to do this was because of some news stories, some positive news stories about him recently. Right. Yeah. At the height of the pandemic, uh, Tyler Perry rented out
0: several grocery stores Mm -hmm. in Atlanta and his hometown, New Orleans, for senior citizens to go shopping by themselves. Right. And
1: his philanthropy is well known. And I think you said something about this year with Thanksgiving. Right. I read today that this, just this past Thanksgiving, he donated 5,000 meals to hungry families in the Atlanta area. And it's not the first time he's done this either. There was an older story from 2019 and 2018. Yeah. So if you follow the show closely, I said,
0: you know, we really need to give this guy his, his own episode. And I, for one have never seen a Tyler Perry film Other than stuff that he's appeared
1: in uh, as an actor directed by other people. So this was new territory for me. New territory for me as well. Uh, I was able to see four Tyler Perry movies this week. The two that we're going to be recasting. And then my double feature, which I'll talk about in a minute. My general take from it is that I enjoy the comedic. Medea parts of his movies more than the more serious dramatic parts.
0: Yeah, okay, so I'm going to say something and it's not meant to be insulting or controversial, but um, Tyler Perry's films are accessible to a very broad audience. True. And I I say that Tyler Perry is the Walmart of Afrocentric directors, okay,
1: to Spike Lee's Target. Ah, and that's an interesting comparison considering we talked about their feud. long-running feud. Right. Um and I like I said I don't mean that
0: to be insulting because Walmart serves a purpose mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Yeah. Um he he just really he presents a lot of uh, source material, a
1: lot of genres mm-hmm. on a very accessible, low-hanging platter. Speaking of that, um <laughs> in a very basic way of describing it, I feel like his performance as Medea took uh the best parts of both the clumps and big mama's house and then did them slightly better um i will disagree with you on that okay but uh but yeah
0: it, it's, you know speaking to his serious uh stuff he obviously comes from a theatrical background right. meaning the stage and a lot of the films that he's adapted are from plays mm-hmm. and, and i can see that on film and plays
1: Sometimes just don't work on film. Right.
0: And that's kind of an issue I ran into, but also it's like when you
1: try to read a comic book on a tablet.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's, um, and I'll talk about it in my uh, uh, movie marathon, but there, there's a lot of a lack of focus on his part as a director. I feel as if he would stay focused on v- comedy Yes. Or if he stayed focused on drama. drama, or if he stayed focused on romance, instead of pulling all of these elements into from the different movies into the same movies, it I guess he's trying to offer something for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that he would excel if he would kind of uh, you know focus. kind of kind of focus a little bit. Mm-hmm. That said, I haven't seen a lot of his most recent directing. I, I've um, I watched a lot of his early. 2010s to 2015 okay. range. Gotcha. But uh, that said, I mean,
1: I don't find anything of his unwatchable. Fair uh, enough. There's some groan-worthy moments, though. Alright. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get into the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where each of us have uh, taken two of the movies, two movies that are in the subject of our episode this week, and we talk about how they're related and why they would make a good pairing for a double feature. And... Sean, what did you go with?
0: Well, I went with um, my earliest exposure to to Tyler Perry. And Mm -hmm. those are films that he has been in that he did not write or direct. And this was a new one for me this week. I started with uh,
1: 2012's Alex Cross. Okay. And we were just talking about how this is the, we're we're pretty sure, the same character that Morgan Freeman played in To Catch a Spider. Along Came a Spider. Along Came a Spider and Kiss the Girls. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, yes, he's a homicide detective pushed to the brink of his moral and physical limits as he tangles with a ferociously skilled hired killer who specializes in torture and pain. Um, this stars Tyler Perry, um, Edward Burns, who I don't hear from very much anymore. I really like him as a sidekick cop. Okay. I don't, Um, I'm not sure I'm familiar with him. The brothers McMullen. Mm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Um, Matthew Fox is in this as the bad guy and for me was the highlight of the movie. He looks, (laughs) he, he's like this ball. He's, he's shaved bald. Okay. He's very lean. Uh, the, your introduction to the character is he shows up at this, um, underground cage fighting circuit and says, I want to put $5,000 on so-and-so and like, he ain't fighting tonight. Who is he? He goes, I'm him. Ooh. And so he gets in the ring and beats the fucking shit out of this guy. And he makes per- a bunch of money. So right from the word go, you know he's a dangerous dude. Uh-huh. Um, this movie falls prey to a lot of the cliches from cop dramas. It, it ends in um, a fist fight in, a, in an industrial warehouse oh, good. between yeah. the cop and the bad guy. Uh-huh. Now, we've already established in the beginning of the film that Matthew Fox can kill an MMA guy. In the ring. Yes. Yet
1: somehow Tyler Perry can have a fist fight with him yeah. and survive. Um, so for the listeners, when you said Matthew Fox, I was doing mental gymnastics in my head, trying to figure out if you were talking about him or Scott Wolf.
0: <laughs> <They were> both <laughs> on so, party of five. They're so similar too. <laughs> Um anyway. Uh, it's it's not a great movie. It uh, there's a reason this did not turn into the franchise. They wanted it to. Right. Um, However, you know, Tyler Perry, he's a handsome guy. Mm -hmm. He's a big, imposing figure physically. Um, I think that he could have done well in this role, which leads me to the next movie uh, Gone Girl from 2014. All right. uh, he was in this with uh, Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike, mm-hmm. uh, Rosamund Pike, rather. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris as a David Fincher-directed film, taking you on a lot of twists and turns of uh, who's really doing what in this film and where is the, the plot going to go. I liked Gone Girl quite a bit. I did, too. Um, and I think Tyler Perry, was uh, his, his character was Rosamund Pike's... Um, Attorney, I believe so. I, I think that's right. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but uh,
1: she worked with him in some official capacity.
0: Yeah. I really enjoyed him in this movie. Um, unfortunately, Chelsea's not here. She was just telling me prior to the show, she watched uh, head on fire. I think it was called um, that's Chloe Grace Moretz's movie. I watched oh, it about okay. a, two, a year or two ago as a, uh, as a, uh, a movie marathon check-in about, she had some sort of brain issue and I think he was her doctor or a, a psychologist of some sort. I really like him in a lot of films. Right. Um, that that he that he does not have the control over the the, the lines. Yeah, that's an or the directing
1: interesting approach that you took. His uh, more serious work for other directors.
0: Yeah, and that's what I wanted to focus on because I've really enjoyed him in that capacity.
1: Very cool. Well, I went the opposite direction entirely <laughs> uh, for my double feature. I went with two movies that couldn't be more related because it's boo to sorry boo and boo to Medea Halloween. Uh, The first one came out in twenty sixteen uh directed by Tyler Perry. We've got a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh and it's a very cliche Halloween story. Um so Tyler Perry's character Brian, the nephew of Medea, is now Uh, a very successful attorney, and he owns the house that Medea and Joe and uh, Tiffany, his daughter, all live in. And Tiffany is uh, a senior in high school. She's 17, but she keeps trying to go over to this frat house. And the frat guys are planning a huge uh, Halloween party. Uh, Medea wants to try and prevent it from happening, but she's very rough and tumbled as well. Uh, One thing leads to another. And, We have to discern whether or not the supernatural occurrences that we're witnessing are real or if it's the parents or superiors trying to prank the younger kids. Then in Boo 2, A Medea Halloween, Tiffany is now a high school graduate and she's about to go off to college But once again, she still wants to go hang out with this frat. But because of all the hijinks that happened last year, they're not allowed to have their big Halloween party. So they're moving it out to Derek's Lake. And Derek's Lake is your Camp Crystal Lake, okay? (laughs) And Medea and Joe and two new characters, uh, Hattie Love and Bam, um, two (laughs) older black women are in the back seat, and they travel out to this camp to try and save tiffany from either the killers that could be running loose at this lake as as at this lake as legend tells or from being accosted by one of these young college guys <laughs> uh, once again you're asking yourself if the evil menacing forces are real or if once again daddy's trying to uh, oh, God. prank them out of doing something wrong
0: can i ask you a
1: question yes
0: in either of these two movies did anyone invoke god
1: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay Just well make it one sure. of one of medea's favorite things to scream when she's scared and running from something is help me jesus help me jesus uh so that happens a lot um they're not good the second one has a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes so even
0: even as uh like like a parody it's not good
1: it's not quite a parody i think that oh. if you if you go into it without a lot of expectations and knowing that it's that you, they're not trying to win any Oscars, they're not trying to instill any profound message, it's just silly, like you said, Afrocentric uh, Halloween comedy. Okay. Yeah, it is what it is. I I think I gave each of them less than two stars. Okay. Uh, but I enjoyed the second one slightly more than the first because it seemed like they had a bigger budget and they there were. Um, some parodies of things like there was a parody of the ring girl and obviously your uh, camp crystal Lake, Texas chainsaw massacre. All right. So that will finish us up on the midnight double feature for tonight, which brings us into our feature segment, the recast. And this is where we once again, take a film that is within our category of the week. This week it's Tyler Perry movies. And then we hypothetically recast them with contemporary actors. And the first Uh, film that we're going to be treating this way is Diary of a Mad Black Woman from 2005. This is the first Tyler Perry written feature film and the only feature film that he has written that he did not also direct. Uh, It came out in 2005. It was directed by Darren Grant and has a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is and this the introduction of Medea to the population it's, at large? It's the introduction of Medea to the big screen. Right, exactly. There was many plays, plays prior to this.
0: What what must
1: people have thought at the at the time they saw this film? Um I don't know. It's it's very disconnected to yeah. me. The the dramatic parts are very disconnected from the comedic parts. Oh yeah. Uh it's it's strange in that way. Uh so. Diary of a Mad Black Woman. After 18 years of marriage to lawyer Charles, played by Steve Harris, Helen, played by Kimberly Elise, is shocked when he announces he's ending their marriage and shacking up with Brenda, played by Lisa Marcos. Helen retreats to the house of her grandmother, Medea, played by Tyler Perry, who helps her destroy much of Charles' property, earning her house arrest. When Charles prepares to for the trial of a corrupt client, Helen is courted by Orlando, played by Shamar Moore, an affectionate, moving man with strong Christian values. <laughs> uh, so you'll know Shamar more from like a Criminal
0: Minds. Okay, yeah, uh, I was going to say one of those procedurals. Yeah, Criminal Minds. But he had this really bad braids wig, I think. I, it, I don't think it was his hair.
1: So before we get into recasting, I do have a brief fictional biography of Medea. Oh, give it can to I, us. Can I go over that? and? Uh, Medea was born in Greensburg, Louisiana on June 26, 1935, and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. Her maiden name is unknown, but it is presumably either Baker or Murphy, as they were the last names of her father and mother, respectively. Medea was 65 in the first play, I Can Do Bad All By Myself, as well as Medea's class reunion. Her ages in other plays are unknown because they take place between these two plays, and there is no continuity offered. In Medea Goes to Jail, Medea was around 75. In I Can Do Bad All By Myself, the film version, she reveals that she once lived in Cleveland, Ohio, but later returned to Atlanta. Medea was a sex worker and a stripper. Medea was brought up in poverty and grew up living in a shotgun house with her parents and siblings. Medea has started, excuse me, Medea has stated that all through her family, although her family didn't have much, they had love. She even claimed that her daddy would go outside and hunt for dogs and cook them on the stove to eat for dinner. (laughs) According to Family Reunion, Medea's mother, Big Mabel, Big Mabel Murphy, was a sex worker during Medea's childhood and was not at all religious. As a result, Medea grew up with little knowledge of religion. As an elderly woman, Medea has a tendency to misquote the Bible. (laughs) She attended Booker T. Washington High School, where she served as a cheerleader, When Medea was 16, her parents moved her and the rest of her immediate family to Atlanta in a barn house. It was reported in Medea's book, her fictional book, Don't Make a Black Woman Take Off Her Earrings, that Medea's mother and father wouldn't allow her to go out at all until she turned 18. Now, Medea also has an extensive criminal record, including uh, arson, armed robbery, attempted murder, prostitution, uh, burglary, So on and so forth. And we see a list of all of those charges in like the beginning of the second act of this movie. Yeah. So that being said, the roles we're going to recast go first, we've got Helen McCarter played by Kimberly Elise, who was 38 at the time. Uh, She looked young for her age. I agree. And then uh, she is the jilted wife, the wife who's been nothing but good to her husband, but hasn't really made an identity for herself other than her husband's wife who's then kicked out of the house. And the husband is Charles McCarter, who's played by Stephen Harris. And he's also known for one of those kind of police procedural shows, He's from The Practice. The Practice, okay. And he was 40 at the time. Very, very imposing um, countenance. Yes. Uh, He he looks like he would have been a very intimidating football player at some time. Uh, Then we've got Orlando, the... Uh, moving truck man, who's um, who's sympathetic towards Helen, but also interested in her, in her romantically and tries to pursue those things. And then finally, we've got Medea, who in this movie is supposed to be around 70 years old, played by Tyler Perry, who was 36 at the time. Do we want to get into the husband's just desserts? Because I don't think it's like, it's not the finale. It happens about halfway through the movie right so all this time he's thinking that he's uh above the law we find out that he made a lot of his money early on to put himself through law school uh in the drug racket and he also feels that he can do no wrong or he he can do wrong with no consequences and one thing leads to another and he ends up uh as a paraplegic he's partially paralyzed and uh Helen leaves Orlando and comes back to the home she was kicked out of to help rehabilitate Charles, which is very forgiving considering how emotionally and physically abusive he was. She does fuck with him a little bit. Yeah, she does. Not, not. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Um, But still way more understanding than I would ever be.
0: There were some things, i gonna mention these really quickly. I took notes as I was watching this. Okay. Uh, first of all, much like any other media movie, there are big sweeping shots of Atlanta at the beginning. Yes. Um, and also, I guess I should also mention, if you're from Atlanta, it's Atlanta, mm-hmm. but these actresses and actors say Atlanta. Oh yeah. Um, it starts out with a duplicitous man and a malcontent woman. Yes. Just accept it. We're not going to give you any background. Just right. take us at our word kind of thing. Uh, but there are some funny things in there. Uh, there is a uh, wire hanger joke.
1: Yes, no wire movie.
0: hangers. There is a Whitney and Bobby Brown joke.
1: Yeah, that was not very timely because I think it had to be like right before yeah. she died. Uh, there is an
0: officer and a gentleman scene. Uh-huh. And then the, my favorite line from this movie, and this is said with all seriousness, what happened to her? life yeah <laughs> <laughs> I felt um, like I
1: was watching a college play when I saw that. I said the same the same thing about the the factory scene uh, the steel mill yeah. scene I said that uh, or flash dance
0: the other thing I said when I saw how how like like smoky it was uh-huh. I said OSHA
1: is not gonna like this <laughs> <laughs> um, my one of my observations, It's called Diary of a Mad Black Woman, and the narration is from Helen's point of view as she's writing in her diary. Yes. But as she's writing in her diary, she keeps using the term you, talking to her diary. I know you don't understand what this is like. So is she talking to the book that she's writing in or to the person who might read it in the future? Who knows? Anyway... Who was your pick for Helen McCarter, Sean?
0: All right. I went with a 35-year-old actress from Russellville, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in Once Upon a Time, The Good Life, The Walking Dead. However, uh, Joey Poole probably salivates over her on uh, Star Trek Discovery. Her name is Sonequa Martin-Green. Ah, oh, cool. She's the
1: young captain. Okay, of, gotcha. On CBS All Access. My pick is 41 now, and I really wanted to go with Janelle Monet. Oh, yeah. But she's slightly too young, I think. Uh Um, So my actress, 41, she was in Crocodile Dundee 2, Lost in New York. Oh, my. Uh, She's in Jawbreaker. She was (laughs) in Eddie Murphy Raw in one of the sketches as his sister. She's also known as Ashley Banks on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Her name is Tatiana Ali. How old is she now? She is 41. Wow. Okay. Sweet. Next up, we've got Charles McCarter, played by Stephen Harris, who was 40 at the time. He's the somewhat corrupt lawyer and abusive and absent husband. Gotcha. Who was your pick? Uh, this actor is uh, 42 years old. Okay.
0: And he can be seen in 8 Mile, mm-hmm. Miracle at St. Anna, Shall We Dance, and the TV series Ballers. He looks a
1: lot like Forrest Whitaker. Okay. His name is Omar Benson Miller. Huh. He does? Oh, I know who you're talking about from Ballers. Yeah, he does kind of look like a a younger Forrest Whitaker. Interesting. Uh, My actor is 39 now, and he's really uh, starting to come into his own in terms of recognition and fame. Uh, He was in Harriet, the biopic about Harriet Tubman. He's in Love in the Time of Corona, and he was also in Hamilton. His name is Leslie Odom Jr. I, I shopped
0: him today. Yeah, uh, that's a good pick.
1: I think so, too. All right, next up, we've got Orlando. Smooth cornrows Orlando.
0: Yes, with the with the piercing eyes. Uh-huh. And so that was, yeah, yeah. I wanted somebody who, who kind of had that sex appeal. This guy's 33 years old. I want a Puerto Rican actor. Huh. Um, he was in Mary, Queen of Scots. Okay, he was in the Catch. He was on uh, in the Blood, and he's been on the Good Wife. His name is Ismail Cruz Cordova.
1: Oh, okay. Wow, those piercing eyes are really there. Yeah, he's a sexy man. <laughs> <laughs> My pick is thirty-six now. Uh, I think he looks a lot like Ludacris, but he was in Tropic Thunder. Mm-hmm. He was also in the Percy Jackson series. He was in the aforementioned Big Mama's house and Roll Bounce, set in Atlanta. His name is Brandon T. Jackson. Oh, nice. Okay, Brandon, Brandon T. Jackson. Don't you think he kind of looks like a younger Ludacris? He does. Yeah, yeah. It freaked me out at first. I was like, because he's also a rapper, like a part-time rapper. He looks
0: like, like Ludacris if he had like been ill for a while. And be like, oh man,
1: you lost a lot of weight, Ludacris. <laughs> That's messed
0: up. <laughs> I'm not saying
1: Ludacris is fat. That guy's kind of skinny. Uh huh. <laughs> All right, so Brandon T. Jackson is my pick. We've got one more for this movie, and that is Medea. I'm really excited about my pick, but you go ahead.
0: I'm excited about mine too, and it could have gone many different ways. Mm-hmm. You could have
1: gone with a female, uh,
0: uh, an actress. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You can stay the course and go with a young male. Uh, but you know, at,
1: at its core, Medea is nothing more than
0: Flip Wilson's Geraldine.
1: Yes, and it's an archetype, archetypal take no shit grandma. And unfortunately, Geraldine
0: slash Flip Wilson's no longer with us. But I went with. Uh, the spiritual uh, descendant of Geraldine. I went with an actor who has been in things such as dream girls coming to America, Harlem nights and the nutty professor. Mm-hmm. I went with Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy.
1: Eddie, <laughs> I think he did it better. I, you disagree with me. Uh, that's, that's uh perfectly well and good, sir. Uh, my act my actor is 50. Now uh, she was in last holiday, set it off, beauty shop and taxi it's queen latifah very nice queen latifah she's got that that kind of like i said take no shit vibe and she's for the other roles that tyler perry played in this film she's gonna dress like a man i get it yeah so that was what i did final thoughts um it, it was uh it was a new experience yeah i'm not gonna say recommend but i can understand the appeal yeah All right. So with that, we're going to head into intermission, but not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some snacks. All right. Chop shoppers. Thank you for bearing with us during intermission. This is your host, Travis. And I just have one question for you, Sean. What is one way we could make our podcast more prominent? Oh, if our listeners would rate and review us on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe to us oh, yeah, subscribe. on iTunes. And, or and, and pin your friends down and, mm-hmm. and force them to do it. Make them go ahead and do a review. We're very under-reviewed. Like, like, like
0: make it a whole pyramid scheme. Get the people
1: under them yeah. to do it. and a podsy them. scheme. oh I like it. Yes. You folks who are listening right now, it would be fantastic if while you're listening or right after, you don't have to stop the show, don't stop the show, but if afterwards you could go to iTunes and give us a review or a rating, that would be awesome as well, or on whatever uh, podcatcher app it is that you're listening to us. We're on a few of them. And also, uh, be aware of our online presence. We have a Facebook page. It's facebookcom cinema chop shop. We're hosted natively online on Podbean. It's cinema chop shop on Podbean, and our Twitter handle is at cinema chop shop. We do a lot of stuff on there, like our movie marathon, where Sean consistently kicks my ass. Also, our uh, email address is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. You can email us anytime. We check it frequently. The beers that we check in after intermission, you're about to find out about some, are always checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. And we are Shop on there. Once again, thank you to you, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in. And enjoy the rest of the show. And now... On with the show. All right. Welcome back, Chop Shoppers. Thank you for bearing with us during intermission. And when we come back from intermission, what do we like to do, Sean? Beer check-ins. And we've got one that's somewhat on theme this week, right? Yeah. Uh, So I was I messaged you earlier, and I was like, I'm at a loss for what kind of on-theme beer we could do for this. And you're like, sweet water, bro. Um, Because it's made in Atlanta. And uh, Tyler Perry has a home in Atlanta and does a lot for the Atlanta community. And uh, so we got the Sweetwater 420 Strain. This is a variation on their 420 IPA. And this is the G13 IPA. On the back it says, G13 IPA, we took an already dank IPA and married its hops with strain specific terpenes and natural hemp type flavor. The result is an aromatic super hybrid sticky IPA that's ready to rip. Um, a strange new strain indeed. So what do you think it smells like? Well, um, just on what I've been told, uh-huh. it smells like the marijuana. Yeah. I wouldn't know. <clears throat> um, but it tastes pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's quite nice. All right. So with that, we're going to go ahead and move it into our 2020 movie marathon. And it is as of this recording, The 339th day of the year, and I'm on number 395. I'm on 407. And Chelsea said she's on 325, but... Uh, Once again, there is no evidence of widespread fraud in Chelsea's (laughs) (laughs) check-ins. What's your first check-in going to be this week? All
0: right. They're all on theme. Uh, This one is going to be Medea's Family Reunion. Okay. Tell me about it. I believe this is the second cinematic release of the uh, Medea movies. Okay. I guess this would be the first directed and written uh, in that series. And my review was, pick a lane, Tyler. (laughs) One part comedy, one part R&B music video, one part Lifetime movie, a dash of social commentary from Maya Angelou and Cicely Tyson. <laughs> Cicely Tyson
1: shows up in she the, does. the last she movie does. we were talking about. Um, Brother Joe was one of my favorite, favorite characters. He's Old and horny and uh, always smoking weed and always hitting on younger girls and talking about how he's an OG pimp from back in the day. (laughs) That's the one that reminds me the most of Eddie Murphy's Clumps characters. It's very similar. All right. My first check-in is going to be one that I was really looking forward to. I really wanted to like it, but I didn't. And it is Tenet from 2020, the newest Christopher Nolan movie. I said, why you got to try and mess with my head like that, Nolan? Uh, it would require rewatching for me to fully grasp. And I don't consider myself an unintelligent person, um, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> and Granted, John David Washington kills it with his performance because he's an amazing actor. And the movie looks really cool, like visually, yeah. but it's just too convoluted. Hmm. Um, and you know how he has a tendency to do that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and he took it to the nth degree with this one. It, um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that it involves time travel. Does it make inception look like a thin plot? It makes (laughs) inception seem easier to understand. Wow. For sure. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I wasn't super impressed with, um, shiny vampire boys performance. Oh, okay. What's his name? Batman yeah Batman uh, so hopefully he does better in the Batman if it ever comes out if well th- wouldn't that be a
0: Warner Brothers movie? it would be a HBO Max movie yes. if we don't ever get back to theaters all right my next check-in is going to be good deeds from 2012 okay heavy on the cheese Perry manages to assemble a good cast for a lifetime level movie lazy plot shallow characters and a tidy ending Okay. Um, You've got uh, Tyler Perry playing uh, the... He's a young man who owns a tech company that his father started, and he shares ownership with his brother. His brother is a bit of a 'er ne'er-do-well. And Tandy Newton plays this single mom cleaning lady who is has just just been dealt a bad hand. She works hard, but uh, she was defaulted on her taxes. So her previous employer was holding, withholding pay at the federal government's behest. She got kicked out of her apartment because she couldn't pay rent. She was living out of her van with
1: her daughter Mm. a victim of circumstance, many circumstances. And
0: she's the cleaning lady at, uh, at Tyler Perry's tech company. Oh, and they, they come into contact with one another and he kind of figures things out that
1: something's not quite right here. And, uh, you know, he tries to help. He does good deeds. So is it a play on the no good deed goes unpunished? That, yeah. You know, does the, that play into it? Yeah. And, okay.
0: Um, you know, he's married to, um, oh, he's married to Gabrielle Union. Okay. In the movie. And she is very much the uh, consumer whore. Like, ah. and, you know, like she's using all of that money and she's trying to and she lives it up. She's um, going to Neiman
1: Marcus on a shopping spree.
0: Yeah, Rebe- Rebecca remains like her best friend and they hmm. go partying all the time without him because he's up late working. And, yeah. And so it's it's just not it's not great, it's not bad. It's just it is what it is, just like all of his other movies.
1: All right. Next up for me is number 390 and this is a documentary called Zappa. Came out in 2020. I had no idea that Frank Zappa was such a prolific classical composer. Everybody knows his weird avant-garde rock music, uh, the mothers of invention, hot rats, stuff like that. But he was constantly writing classical music, thousands and thousands of pieces that most people will never hear. There is a, um, a, a small group of musicians who are trying to kind of unearth some of that stuff. Um, But I think that his family is not being as cooperative as as they could be. Um, In addition, it's a excellent documentary (laughs) from Alex Winter, who played uh, Bill S. Preston in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Very cool. Uh, My last check in will be Temptation Confessions
0: of a Marriage Counselor.
1: Confessions
0: Uh, from the world's biggest cuck. (laughs) to the most ham-fisted use of HIV as a shoehorned add-on to the plot to Kim Kardashian quote-unquote acting. Oh, really? This was laughable. Damn. Uh, There is a bonus, though. Uh, Journey Smollett from uh, Lovecraft Country is in this film as the lead actress. And she's great. She's great. She's easy on the eyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a shit movie. Um, she's in a boring marriage, boring yet stable marriage to a pharmacist. Okay. And she works as the counselor for a, uh, dating app company that's run by Vanessa Williams, who has a bad French accent through the whole movie, (laughs) but there's a
1: reason for that. Um, so the difference between, uh, journey Smollett and Kim Kardashian, both are easy on the eyes, but one of them can act. Oh, yeah. Well, Kim Kardashian works at the
0: same place, and she's always just, like, really giving Journey a hard time about her, her, her lame wardrobe. And she shows up at work in flats one day, mm-hmm. which, you know, that that's tacky. Yeah. And anyway, she comes in contact with a young man who is a tech whiz, Facebook inventor kind of guy, and they're working very closely with one another, trying to improve the app that they have and they fall in love. (laughs) But as it turns out, um, he, he has HIV, Mm. but you find this out at the end is a very tacked on kind of thing. Like, um, his ex lover is Brandy. Yeah. And so she, and so she's working with, at the pharmacy with the, with the husband and, not, and they don't know, they haven't put two and two together yet. And at the very end, you know, he, he <laughs> the husband's just like, you know, what happened to you? What? What's your deal? And she's like he beat me, he hit me and he has HIV Oh! and then he kind of goes and he (laughs) realizes and he realizes that his current wife, even though the relationship is strained, has been screwing this guy on the Mm. side and you got HIV Mm. and so it's really, really ham-fisted it's so bad that's rough, man Yep. Yep. steer clear of that one if you
1: can I'm sorry Journey because she's great but uh, this movie was not uh, Next for me, my final check-in for this week is going to be one that I just saw last night. Really enjoyed it. It's number 395, and it's called Fat Man. One word. Uh, It is a 2020 film. Very enjoyable Christmas action comedy starring Mel Gibson as a disgruntled Santa and Walton Goggins as the hitman hired to kill him. Why was he disgruntled? Uh, Because his... Business is failing. No, there's a war on Christmas and the Jews are to blame. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, rough. Now, uh, regardless of how you feel about Mel Gibson's beliefs or his personality or his upbringing, uh, I think he is still a good actor. Oh, he's he's always been a good actor.
0: He's just a terrible
1: person. And this movie is awesome. It's uh, very violent, but also very funny. And, uh, one thing that I did like also is that, uh, Mrs. Santa Claus is black. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It was super cool. And, uh, yeah, check that one out. And you said, and you said that Walton Goggins. Yeah. Walton Goggins is great too. He's doing his best, uh, Billy Bob Thornton impression. Hey dude, that's cool, man. I see those guys as being cut from the same cloth. All right. Is that wrapping us up on movie marathon? We're good to go. All right, that brings us into the second part of our feature segment, The Recast Continued. Part two. Dua. Hello. And, and uh, this one, ooh boy, is it heavy. Uh, not a comedic stitch to be found no. in this movie. And it's called For Colored Girls from 2010, by, directed by Tyler Perry. It's got a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it is based on a choreo poem um by ooh, this is a very tough name to pronounce uh nozaki shanje from 1975 i thought that was interesting that the play is originally or the poem was set in 1975 i like it um without getting too far ahead of us
0: you can see there at, at the core mm-hmm. there is really good source material yes in this film Yeah, and
1: and unfortunately, it didn't quite materialize in a way that was at least palatable for us. The original choreo poem was called For Color Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Enough. Written and directed and produced by Tyler Perry, the film features an ensemble cast, which includes Janet Jackson, Whoopi Goldberg, Felicia Rashad, Tandy Newton, Loretta Devine, Anika Noni, excuse me anika noni rose tessa thompson kimberly elise again carrie washington and macy gray oh it's insane uh so each woman is represented by a color Uh, joe bradmore represents red tangi andros represents orange yasmine represents yellow Juanita sims represents green kelly watkins represents blue nyla adros represents purple crystal wallace represents brown and Rose represents pink. Additionally, the characters of Alice Andros, who represents white, and Gilda, who represents black, were made specifically for the film. In New York, a group of black women, most of whom live in the same Harlem apartment building, the building itself was a character in this, in this movie, the, oh, cool. the apartment building. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah you're right.
1: Yeah. Um, Crystal, played by Kimberly Elise, faces an unhappy existence as an abused lover. Joe, played by Janet Jackson, is a successful magazine editor, but her husband has a secret double life. Juanita, played by Loretta Devine, she she is a relationship counselor, but cannot seem to get her own love life in order. These three and others become bound together by their experiences. One thing that I did appreciate about this was the interconnectedness of their stories. I oh, yeah. always, I always like that in a movie when you've got multiple threads going at the same time that end up weaving together.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot of them like going in and out of orbit with one another as the story progresses. Uh, I said in my Twitter review: this tries so hard to be a good movie, mm-hmm. and. Like, like, like the tech, the text is there, right. the cast is there, but there's something about it that is just doesn't quite get across. The it doesn't quite line. get off the ground for me. And, and it's a shame because there's so many good elements to this movie, but it as a whole, it's just not working. I don't so know what
1: it is. 2010. What do you think the casting budget was on this thing?
0: Uh, probably
1: about a, a
0: quarter of what it would be today if yeah. they tried to do it again.
1: All right. So the roles that we are recasting, we couldn't recast all 10 iconic female African-American actresses, but uh, we do have four very important roles. (laughs) We've got the role of Crystal Wallace, the lady in brown played by Kimberly Elise. Then we've got Tangi Adros, the lady in orange played by Tandy Newton. Mm -hmm. Now, Kimberly Elise is the mother of two who's in a relationship with a war veteran who's struggling, struggling with, everything um yeah and he's not getting the help he deserves correct and she he wants to marry her but it's implied that he only wants to marry her for uh welfare benefits or okay. to get more welfare benefits uh Tangie played by tandy newton is a bartender who habitually brings home married men has her way with them and then kicks them out
0: she's just abusing herself
1: yes yeah. Uh, and we later find out that there was some trauma that was yeah. uh inflicted on her and her mother as well. um Then we've got the neighbor Gilda, the lady in Black, played by Felicia Rashad. um I kind of liked her character as the uh reluctant den mother. Yeah, Chelsea recommended we use her in the recast because
0: she is a very central character mm-hmm. in in a lot of the plot lines. She's kind of like the uh, the grounded voice of reason.
1: She's um, supportive to a certain extent of tough love of Crystal's Crystal's yeah. character. There's a lot of tough love coming al- from her, but also yeah. uh, very critical of yeah. Tangi's character. And we later find out that um, that Gilda's character was same. was very promiscuous in her younger life as well. Correct. Uh then we've got Juanita Sims, The Lady in Green, played by Loretta Divine. And she is she steals a lot of the scenes, I think. She um, does
0: because she's she's kind of quiet yes. and, and and until and, she gets worked up. Yeah. Loretta divine is so good in this part. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and if you've seen her in other things, I think gray's anatomy would be a good one yep. for her. Um, she's very soft spoken until she doesn't need to be soft spoken anymore. Yes, absolutely. And that kind of takes place in this film w- early on with Janet Jackson, where she's pitching her, her, um,
1: her charity case right and she gets the cold shoulder and she basically says bitch yes (laughs) and she is a relationship counselor who's also in a relationship with a married man and he uh is always turning up or disappearing at inopportune times and she's she's always saying that she's had enough she's fed up with it but he brings her back in those are the roles that we're going to recast are you ready i'm ready all right first up we've got crystal wallace played by kimberly elise once again and it, it took me it took me too many days to figure out that one of the actresses was in both of these movies um <clears throat> who was your pick all right so Kimbr- crystal so kimberly elise was 43 and, and we talk
0: about how young she looks yes in general i went with a much younger actress and i think it's kind of okay um 27 years old is what i went with
1: all right that works Probably she's old al- enough to have those
0: two those, kids. Two, those two kids right um, this actress is from uh, Georgetown, Guyana. Oh, wow. And she has been in uh, uh, Small Acts, Death on the Nile, or it's coming up on yeah. Death on the Nile, uh, Black Mirror, but I fell in love with her in Black Panther. I went
1: with Letitia Wright. Yes. Um death on the Nile is the Agatha Christie adaptation follow-up to murder on the Orient, Orient Express. Express. Right. Uh, one of my people that I chopped tonight is in murder on the Orient. Oh, that's Express. cool. Uh, so my pick is 41. Now she was in that terrible Dwayne Johnson movie Rampage. <laughs> she but she is also in several James Bond movies. She's in Skyfall, she's in Spectre, she's in No Time to Die, and she was also in the Oscar winner Moonlight. Her name is Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris is going to be my Crystal Wallace. Very nice. You can tell that she's one of the one of the actresses that was lesser known to me because I put her name on her picture. <laughs> Next, we've got the lady in orange, Tangi Adros, played by Tandy Newton, who was 38 at the time.
0: I've I've been a huge Tandy Newton fan for mm-hmm. many years. Uh, she was in that movie with Simon Pegg. Uh, Which r- one? Run, Fat Boy Run. run Fat Boy Run. Yes. Yes, yeah, she's good in that. Uh, anyway, I went with an actress who is
1: also from England, by the way. Okay. Uh, Wasn't Tandy Newton also on like Young and the Restless or something? Possibly. I'm pretty sure she was. Uh, Dana. Dana. Um,
0: so anyway, this actress uh, was in Beyond the Lights, Concussion, the live-action Beauty and the Beast. She's going to be in the Loki TV miniseries. Oh, really? But I know her from the movie Belle. Her name is Gugu Mbatha-Raw. Huh. And she's gorgeous. What, uh, what is Belle? Belle is a period drama. Okay. She is uh, a
1: woman of color living huh. amongst the aristocracy. Okay. I think I did see that. Yeah. Uh, It reminded me a lot of that old Mia Sara movie, Queenie. Um, Next. Oh, that's your My pick for the lady in orange, Tangia Dross, is 42 now. And I'm glad we didn't pick the same person because for me, this was a no-brainer. She was in Columbiana, Avatar, Star Trek, and Guardians of the Galaxy, her name is Zoe Saldana. Yeah, that's a good one. Zoe Saldana. And I've always thought that they were kind of um, cut from the same cloth. I, I
0: very inten- face value. I wise. intentionally tried to steer clear of her. And then Zendaya came up okay. in one of my searches. I'm like, I can't. I, I want to go a little bit off the beaten path for some of mine.
1: I was uh, joking, not joking with you earlier this week when I was doing my research. I said, looking at these lists of actors to recast by age, the black faces are few and far between. It's the inverse of the Florence County uh, bookings page. (laughs) I'm serious, man. If you look at that page, yeah, there is a clear racial bias in the uh, bookings. And
0: inversely so. I think that it's a sad commentary. uh, There's a racial bias in Hollywood. True. um, And I had to open up my my age range Mm -hmm. when I was searching for actresses for these roles.
1: All right. We've got... Uh, The role of Gilda next, right? Yes. The Lady in Black, the voice of reason, played by Felicia Rashad, who was 62 at the time. And who was your choice for this?
0: I went with a 61-year-old actress. Um, She was in Flight with Denzel Washington. She was in The Devil's Advocate. I love that movie. She was in As the World Turns for many years. But for 20 years, she has played Dr. Melinda Warner, On Law and Order Special Victims Unit. You talk about being the voice of reason with Tamara Tunney.
1: Ah, okay. Gotcha. Now, Michelle would be smacked, my lovely wife, Michelle. Drink. Would be smacking me right now for not knowing who her character is, let alone who the actress is. But she's a bigger SVU fan. She has been a phenomenal part of that cast. I hear you. All right. Well, my actress is 56 now. I was surprised to find out. Uh, She's in Kill Bill Volume 1, Set It Off, Independence Day, Booty Call, and Soul Food. Her name is Vivica A. Fox. Oh, I like Vivica. Yes. I I don't know if that third Kill Bill movie is ever going to come out. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Next, Juanita Sims, The Lady in Green, played by Loretta Devine, uh, who was 61. She didn't look 61. She sure did not. And your pick for this. I went with a 61-year-old actress
0: from Arkansas. Hmm. She's got 68 films and TV roles to her credit. She was in That's My Boy with uh, Adam Sandler and Andy Samberg. Yeah,
1: the movie that proves that they're actually father and son.
0: She was in The Rock. She was in A Star is Born. Hmm. She had a very key role in Borat, the first version I went with Lunel. Oh, okay.
1: She could play Medea. She could? Yeah. All right. My pick is, this might be low-hanging fruit. Maybe not. She's a a fine actress. Uh, She's 50 now. Best known for The Help, Ma, Hidden Figures, and Shape of Water. Her name is Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer is my pick for the lady in green.
0: You sucking that fish dick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm eating a shit pie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, final thoughts on four color girls. Again, like I said, the,
0: the, the parts are there. Yes. Something about it just doesn't come together for me.
1: The sum of the parts is greater than the whole. Maybe something like that, that.
0: you know? Yeah. But overall, uh, as we come out of the, the second recast, I, I've enjoyed this
1: week Mm -hmm. after going a full month of reading subtitles. Oh, absolutely. And I think that one of the great things about the concept of this show is that sometimes it gets us out of our comfort zone. Oh, absolutely. And that's healthy. All right. Do you, um, are you ready for our final bonus segment? Please. I'm excited about it, dude. It's going to be a battle royale between Tyler Perry, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right.
0: So you've got one man who dresses up like an old woman. And then you've got another
1: man who sings, dude looks like a lady.
0: And looks like an old woman Uh now because of all the scarves that he wears. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm going to have to go with Joe Perry? Perry. Joe Perry. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Did you know that back in the day they were known as the Toxic Twins? Oh, yeah. Because of, of their all, hard partying lifestyle. All the drugs they on did On and off stage. Oh, absolutely. And uh, just for you, not for the listeners, this is from the same photo. I just moved him over here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because in honor of his episode, I'm going Tyler Perry. Okay. He is a big imposing man. Yes. You don't want to piss him off. Especially when he puts up purse in his voice. Um... So I want to go ahead and wrap it up now. We want to thank the engineer, my co-host and co-producer, sir. Thank you for everything you do. Anything you want to plug this week? Um, Seminar Brewing's got some beers coming up. Uh, Coffee Tan Lines was tapped today.
0: Yep. There's a Mexican lager on Uh the horizon still, and things are starting to come into focus.
1: And also uh, the collaboration of the homebrew competition, the people who won the homebrew competition back in... October? Yeah, for yeah, That uh, should be coming out before too long. Fairly soon. yeah. All right. And do you know what next week's episode is? We're doing uh, films that are known for their soundtracks. And this is going to be great. I There's so many uh, that, to choose from. And I suggested a few, but we narrowed it down to a couple that I think are going to be really great. So look forward to that next week. And I do have a sneak preview trivia question and answer. Are you familiar with the movie Empire Records? I am. I just watched it for the first time this year. Well, then you know that the movie takes place in one year, or sorry, one day, and uh, that day is Rex Manning Day Mm -hmm. when a defunct pop star is going to come and perform a autograph session at the record store. Yes. When angrily leaving, Rex Manning's parting words are, why don't you all just fade away? Which are lyrics from what song? Oh my. It's a toughie. Yeah, I don't know. It's from My Generation by The Who. Oh,
0: oh, 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 yes, Yes. of course. Yes, why don't you all just fade away? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Okay, gotcha.
1: And, okay, with that, we will plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps, every single one of them. We're online on Podbean. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. We're at Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter. We're Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook. And our email, which I check regularly, is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. And the dankity-dank beer that we drank today is going to be checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Uh, Joe, Brother Joe, would approve of this beer. And finally, farewell to you, the listeners. Please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. And tip Medea.